0: Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I'm here to review man, just such a wonderful album. Uh, this one has a ton of memories in it for me. It was really a, a huge part of my life starting around age, you know, 14 or so. And I spent a lot of time listening to this album. I've learned a lot from it. And most importantly, I've enjoyed the hell out of it and i want to share that with you guys song by song here today. We've got 12 songs to cover, but before we do, just a quick date, a uh, quick update on my album. I'm working on um an album called The Forgotten Puppet Show, and that is a reprise of some of the songs that i have written over the years. It's coming along great. All the writing sessions are are done. So I'm actually starting the recording process later today, or a week ago, as you guys will be hearing this episode. And uh, I'm very excited about it. There's some songs uh, I'm really proud of on this album, and I'm hoping that you guys will enjoy it as well. Looking for a mid-August release at this point, and so far on track. I can tell you the artwork that Kelly is doing for this is unbelievable. Uh, I, I set her just a basic... Uh, explanation of the concept of the Forgotten Puppet Show, which was originally an album of a different compilations of songs that I wrote years ago, I thought I could put a pretty decent story together with some of the songs that I had already written. And so I sent those over to her and I said, uh, here's what the album is basically going to sound like. And you can go from there. And the, the just the even initial images that she sent me, as she always does, were just stunning and she sent me a few different options but i picked one out right away i'm like that that is the framework right there i absolutely love this so uh i'm looking forward to having a release of that uh as much as that you guys could see kelly's work as much as you can hear mine because she is just such a talented artist i i really can't wait so look for that around mid august and for you you're right heap fans for you fans that uh don't listen to the magicians podcast even though you should because it's a good show and i do it BMG is coming out with a new boxed set for Uriah Heap. This is probably the most interesting and creative box set I've ever seen done. It is their first seven albums are being re-released as picture discs. So you get seven picture discs in this compilation. You also get seven t-shirts, a t-shirt to go with every album. And why is it seven? Because there are seven days in the week and... It comes with a wall calendar so that you can plan out your listening schedule, and you can also include the podcast on that calendar if you want to, because you can, and uh, some inspirational lyrical quotes. It's it's just an amazing box set. So keep an eye out for that. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes for those of you who are interested. It comes out September 21st. The link does have a pre-order to it, and if you do plan on getting it, I highly suggest that you pre-order it because... I would imagine with a box set that's this special, this intelligently done, uh, it's probably going to go quick. I don't know how many they're planning on issuing, but I would imagine that uh, the initial run is going to go very quick. So make sure that you reserve your copy now. Now, on to the Beatles. This album... Let It Be is, uh, I mean, obviously it's, it's a monta- monumental album for the Beatles, as is pretty much every album that they did. But for me, I have so many personal memories in it. This is the time in my life where you know my brother and I started experiencing kind of real freedom. He had a car, we could go places without depending on the parents to take us, and we would, you know, we would go drive around to different places. And we didn't, he didn't have a car stereo. I think, I, I think he had an AM radio, and that was it. But we had a, a a cassette player, and so we would you know put batteries in it, and we would just use the cassette player to listen to music as we drove around. So uh, it was a little bit unorthodox, but we made it work, and we got to listen to some great music. And this is one of the albums that we played quite frequently. But this album was one that would stay in my head quite a bit, and it would be one that I would ride my bike to uh or or like ride my bike around the neighborhood and i would have these songs in my head and i would start making up more uh verses for them than there ever was and like the long and winding road might be a 15 minute song in my head just because i kept coming up with more lyrics whether they fit or not is kind of irrelevant but uh these songs mean a lot to me so i wanted to you know kind of just share my feelings on them with you guys and let you decide for yourself if you haven't heard them or maybe something i say will spark a memory that you have with some of these songs But uh, let's just jump right in. So the first song is called The Two of Us.
1: I dig a pygmy by Charles Hawtrey and the Deaf Aids. Phase one in which Doris gets her oats.
0: There's some things I just absolutely love about this song. I love the camaraderie of it. You know, I feel like it could be a couple of guys walking down a country road. I feel like it could be a couple of guys driving in a car. Uh, Just, you know, whatever, just enjoying an experience they had together, realizing that they really appreciate each other. And, you know, it's it's time to head home. But musically, uh, you know, I love the acoustic guitars. I think they're fantastic. I love that there's not a drum beat, but you feel the pulse of the drums in this song. What's really interesting to me is that, now as I'm listening to this in my studio headphones, the guitars, the acoustic guitars are panned hard left and right. So they're very much like the walls of the house of the song. And then in the middle, you know, just slightly left and right, we have the vocalist. And what I really like about that is it feels really full even though there's very little going on musically, it's just that they really expand the guitar sound and they've got the vocals in the middle. So nothing really feels too thin, even though in the, you know, the middle of the sound field to the left and right, it should sound thin, but it just doesn't, because there's enough carryover from both the vocals and the acoustic guitars to really keep the whole sound uh much bigger than it actually is. I, I think it's very well done. But mostly it's just a fun song, you know, it's a song that makes you feel good. It's a song that you can just sit back and, re- and listen to without having to think about it too much. You can just enjoy the moment that they're sharing. And I love that. Uh, the whole thing at the beginning, I don't understand. I never have. I've never bothered to research it. And uh, it's just, you know, a typical Beatles clip from the studio and being funny.
1: Anything you want Yes you can celebrate anything you want Oh You a road hull Where you can penetrate any place you go
0: I love the riff to this song. It's so intricate and it really uh, evolves in a very intelligent but also musical way. Love the vocals. I love the high harmonies that we're hearing there. It's really just a, a different kind of song. And, you know, again, I don't know what that whole opening thing was about. It's kind of a theme, but uh the whole song just really continues on. It's kind of a it, it makes me feel empowered. It's like you can do anything. But then there's also the, you know, all I want is you. And it makes me wonder, like, are you saying that just because you love me and you want to be with me that I can do all these things? Or do you really believe it? And that's always been my impression of the song. You know, we hear that so much in life. People just kind of boost each other up, but not because they necessarily feel that way. A lot of times people do it because they want something out of you and they might not even know it, but people do seem to do that quite a bit. Whereas I really prefer to just boost people up that I believe in. And, you know, if I don't believe in you, I'm not really going to say that I do. I'll just find a polite way to speak to you. But in any case, uh, it's it's always been kind of a question for me when it comes to this song. But it's a really nice song. It's just got such a beautiful flow to it. The sound mixing on this, I mean, you know... You got George Martin, how, you know, you can't really do any better than that. So it's going to sound good, but uh, there's just a lot of good feeling about this album. Um, The Beatles were definitely in a weird place mentally. I mean, the imagery that they use a lot of times, and maybe it's because uh, they're, they're British and they're using more British terms. Than I'm aware of, but I mean, they're kind of out there lyrically sometimes, but it doesn't matter because overall the feel of it is great. I've never been a big lyric guy anyway. So to me, it's a lot of times it's just an instrument, but you know, certainly if you're paying attention to the lyrics, it's probably going to be a little difficult to follow along with everything they're saying. Uh, but either way, I love the song. Now, uh, now we're going to come to a very well known song that, uh, God, I just, I love the environment, the audio environment of this song. It's just, so warm and inviting to me it's something that i could just sit there and listen to i kind of would like to be like floating on an inner tube in the water or something and listen to this song maybe under the starlight i don't know why i'm getting that visual but i just think that would be nice it just has kind of a i don't even care where i float to feel to it it just takes you where where it goes and it's called across the universe Yeah, everything I said before. Uh, all the feels this song has for me, and uh, I love. A, there's there's some really nice elements in here too that that are just gentle enhancers that I really love. I love the choral section coming in and uh, really thickening things up during what would be the chorus. There, I also love how the shaker just kind of comes in out of nowhere, but you don't really notice it started. You just notice all of a sudden that it's there. <laughs> it's really subtle, but it it really helps move things along. And again. A song, another song without a drum beat, but it sounds good. It, it's a, a really magical song to me, very rich and full in sound, very passionate, very gentle, and a song that I could just drift away with any day of the week. And uh, that brings us on to a song called I, Me, Mine. I love this song. In fact, uh, I I cut it off right before you would hear it, but there's a bit of a drag as it goes back into the verse, which is really interesting. But uh, I love Paul's voice on this song. It sounds a little bit thin, a little bit quiet, but uh, that's just the mix of the, uh, you know, the original album. Uh, But I think his voice sounds really good here. I'm glad he's the one that's singing the song. Love the drums, too. I think the drum sound is really good. Uh, The whole thing is balanced very nicely. Uh, it lyrically, it reminds me of, you know, if I were to put this in context of today, now granted this album came out in 1970. So a couple of years before I was born, but when I hear just the, I me mine concept, uh, here in this song, I can't help but to think about this whole entitled Karen's thing that we're living in right now where, you know, people are calling nine one one because McDonald's ran out of chicken nuggets it just, just the most ridiculous things that I hear, but it goes to show how self-absorbed and how lost people can be at times. And that's kind of what I get through this. It's, it's like, you know, the person that he's talking about, they're just, it's all about me. It's all about me and my stuff and everything that I care about. And that's all I'm talking about. And so that's all Paul is hearing is I, me, mine, my stuff, my, me. Um, sad, but a a sad commentary on society. But I do see a lot of that going on today. Uh, You know, I have a friend that every time they ask me how I'm doing, I start to tell them and they find a way to turn it around and talk about themselves. Like that kind of stuff is what I'm talking about. So I think that, uh, you know, even if I'm wrong about the concept of the song, because it may not be about that, even though that's what I'm gathering from it. uh, Certainly that concept does fit our society today. And the Beatles just had a much better way of saying it than I do. Uh, Of course, I'm not writing a song about it. So the next song uh, that we have up is a weird little tune called Dig It. So that is literally the entire song, folks. It's 50 seconds, and that's everything to it. Um, the the difficulty I've always had with this song, and I know I'm contradicting myself about not really getting into the lyrics, but how can you not with a song like this? Uh I don't what I don't understand about the song is he's making a comparison, but he never says to what. You know, everything starts with like this, like that, but what is it that's like this or like that? I never really uh understood where the song was going or you know what what happened maybe before they started fading the song in maybe there was some conversation and they were talking about something and they're like yeah like a rolling stone and then they just you know kind of went off i really have no idea but the song has always been a rather obscure one for me uh i like it i dig it sure uh, I really like the keyboards. I like what's going on musically. I think more than I like what's going on lyrically because lyric the lyrics are just kind of soup to me. But uh, I love what's going on with the guitars, the drums, and the uh, and the organ that we're hearing in the background. It's like just this nice little march from Ringo, and then some crazy organ action uh, with some nice guitars. It's just it, but it's just a really weird song. It's almost like they said, hey. The record company wants this to be one more minute. Let's throw a minute together and put something on there. Um, But like I said, the Beatles were in a really weird place by the time they got to this album anyway. So I probably shouldn't be too surprised. So that leads into, believe it or not, I mean, as as famous as this next song is, this song actually leads into it. um, But obviously wasn't released on the 45 that way. For those of you who remember 45s, this song you might know, it's called Let It Be.
1: it be And when the people living in the world agree there will
0: be an answer So I love this song. I mean it, it's the message that we should all be living by right now. And I think 51 years after this album has been released, it still is such an important message, probably more so now than ever and probably will be even more so in another year, or more so in another two years, because people just don't seem to get this concept. They sing the song, they sing the lyrics, but I don't really think they, you know, the public knows what they're singing. Because if they did, and they took this stuff to heart, I think we would be in a completely different place in the world. But let's get to the music first. The music, the audio starts off with a little click. And remember, I said that Dig It fades into Let It Be. So I don't think it's that, though, because Digit was just voices by that point. So I'm not really sure where that click comes from, but it is there. And then, of course, we get started with the piano. I love that the bass notes on the piano are being played so subtly you know, it's there, there, they add presence, but it's almost like they're not there at the same time. And I love the sound of that. I love the build in the song as it goes on. Um, there's a really nice guitar part in it. Love that hi-hat with the uh, delay effect on it. That's really good. I've always appreciated that. The hi-hat too, when it comes in, it doesn't uh, overtake the song. It's at a very nice level where you can still hear the piano, you can still hear the vocal and the hi-hat just kind of blends into it. Musically, it's it's just a beautiful song and uh, it's very passionate. Um, but very true. I mean, the whole message and in, in getting back to why I think it's important is just, you know, we tend to get involved or go out of our way to involve ourselves in so many things that have absolutely nothing to do with us that we don't really have the knowledge to speak on, but do anyway. Um, we're just so ready to bash everything that doesn't fit our cookie cutter little brain. And this is really a great point on, you know what? just let it be. If it doesn't affect you and it's not hurting anyone, just shut up. There's no reason to harp on people. There's no reason to make people feel bad. And and this is, you know, I don't talk about it that much on this show. I've mentioned it a couple of times on The Magician's Podcast, but, you know, I stopped looking at forums a long time ago because all I see is somebody says, you know, this song means so much to me. I love it. I'm I'm so glad I heard it this morning. And someone else will come and say, well, that's not the best song. The best song that is this. And that's the one you should be listening to. And, you know, everybody has different things that that mean something to them. And just because it's it's maybe a deep track and not a hit on the album doesn't mean that it's not something that really means something to the person that's posting that. I mean, people are certainly free to express their opinions on, hey, you know, I love this song and post every song on the album. But what tends to happen is somebody will just be sharing a special moment and the person that's reading that post doesn't have that associated memory that the poster does. But instead of being respectful and saying, wow, that's so cool. I love that you've had that experience. They have to bash them and say, no, you should listen to this song because I have a memory with that one. I mean, it's just all so ridiculous. And if you think about what Paul's saying here, you know what, just let it be. It doesn't concern you. It doesn't affect you. You don't have to comment on everything. I really wish that, you know, some of the like political rallies and stuff would play songs like this instead of songs to get you pumped up that the artists are just going to see you for using anyway. Uh, I I think it would be better to have anthems like this that really teach people what we should be doing, teach people how to live in harmony, live together, make a better world and not just, you know, how to separate each other and how to hate and how to You know, I'm going to bash my opponent and you better be ready to bash him with me. Just, you know, how silly and stupid the world's gotten. So this song to me probably has now that I'm thinking about it, because I've never actually really sat down and thought about this until now. I think I have just felt it more than really intellectualized it. But I think this song is probably the most important Beatles song, period. You know, if you, if you look at where we are in the world today and the message that it has, honestly, I think right now, I I just can't think of another song that has a more important message than this one does. So um, listen to this song, share it with your friends. It's a really important song. You know what? Just, just let it be, you know, don't worry about the the horrible and stupid things that people are doing. Just put out positive energy, just put out good stuff, share the warm things and ignore the people that want to bash you. There's just no reason to give them any energy. So that being said, my little uh, unplanned rant for this album, now we're going to get into a little story of Dirty Maggie Mae.
1: Heart of Liverpool did it to me too. Two pounds a week—that was my pain.
0: There you go, folks. That was the entire song, all forty seconds of it. Um, it's so weird. Like it, I, it doesn't feel like this album should be as playful and fun as it is when you've got a little bit of seriousness in it. But at the same time, you know, all they were doing at this point was just being studio musicians. So I'm sure they had a lot of scraps, a lot of ideas that they didn't know what to do with. And it seems like they just slapped them together and put them on the album. I mean, they're not bad. They're just not, you know, they're not songs. They're not really stories. They're almost more like limericks or, or poetry set to uh, a little bit of audio than anything else. So it's interesting that they have these songs on the album Um Certainly uh, ones that I was always like, well, you know, I could skip it, but it's going to be over in 30 seconds anyway. So why bother? I might as well just listen to it. Not ones that really uh, were my favorites or anything that that I was really particularly turned on to. Um, But now we are uh, back to regular size songs, you know, not the uh, sample Hershey size. We got the full candy bar coming up. This is I've Got a feeling. Gotta This is another song that just has such a great atmosphere to it and whenever I listen to it I just kind of feel you know warm like everything's going to be okay the music just does that to me regardless of of lyrics uh or whatever the lyrical content is on this one um because I've really never paid attention to the vocals I I really hear the vocals more as an instrument but in uh in the whole package of it though it just it just feels like the sun coming over the mountain you know after a rainstorm And it just has such a good feel to it. I I love it. I love the sound of the guitar and the electric piano. Um, The vocals are really impassioned. There's some really nice parts that come up in the song. But one thing, too, to point out is this is one of those songs that really stands out to me for Ringo Starr, because it shows the way he's playing as this clip is fading out. You really get to feel the swing side of Ringo. You know, he's not he just has more of a swing feel to him, very much like Ian Pace from Deep Purple. And they they both grew up on that kind of music, so it would make sense, but he's not, you know, right on the click choppy with the hi-hat. He's got a feel, a groove to it, and I really like that. It's slight on this song, and there's definitely songs that show that more, but on this one, um, it, it's just perceptible to me, but it's enough for it to not be metronome sounding it sounds human and i really like that but uh, the vocals get really impassioned um some really you know grungy sounding from the the bottom of his gut vocals from paul mccartney uh the whole song is just absolutely fantastic and it has a, a really nice interesting end to it so check it out if you don't know it already and if you do know it already check it out again so next up we have song nine as we are three quarters of the way through the album already this is called One After 909.
1: My baby says you're traveling on the one after 909. I said, move over, honey, I'm traveling on that line. I said, move over once, move over twice. Come on, baby, don't be go with ice. The 909 I'm picking up the door And I'm picking around my bed And it's You're only fooling around Only fooling around with me I said I move over once Move over twice Come oh, on baby don't be cold as ice Said you're driving on the one after 909 Pick up my bags, Run to the station
0: So obviously we're talking about a train in the song. So I always figured, like, I don't know why they call it the one after 909 instead of calling it 910. But for one, that wouldn't work as well musically. And two, the next train might not be 910. You know, the next train might be the 404, the 402, the 806, who knows? So they might not know the next train number. They might just know it's the next train. But in any case, uh, musically, it really grooves along. I love the fact that the guitars are not perfectly playing together. I love that they sound like they're played by people. And there's a, there's a real human quality to the music. Of course, you know, there was very little in the way of electronics and music at this point. Uh, what there was, the Beatles certainly took advantage of. There's no doubt at that, about that. But I mean, here they're just guitar players and they're playing the song, but they're not playing perfectly together, which I I really love that. I love the human sound of it. Um, it gives it character, you know, that you wouldn't have if everything was just played exactly, precisely to the beat by everybody. I also think it's a good song for Ringo. Um, he does a little bit of, uh, snare dynamics, which are really nice there in the, uh, stops. And he also just gets to, to play solid throughout the whole song. So I think it's really good. I don't really hear a lot of bass in this mix. Um, but. You know that's okay. the song really could use a little more bass in my opinion, but I think it sounds good. I think it grooves just fine, moves along very nicely it's a it's a really nice song um which brings us to more the uh the other ballad of the so- of this album and it is called "The Long and Winding Road
1: The Long and Winding Road."
0: Yeah, this is another one of those songs I used to ride around on my bike, just coming up with different verses and and stuff. A uh, lot of fun. It's a great song. It's really beautiful. Uh, it's got such a gentle quality to the vocals. I really like that. I love the orchestra, the strings and brass in it. Um, I have to say, this song in the studio must have sounded just so thin until they added that. You know, just the Beatles recording their parts must have just been like... God, I hope this song gets, gets better when the orchestra is added because there's not much here. Uh, but then again, I mean, they could write simple songs with just a piano and guitars and, and be just fine. But it's a, it's a really beautiful song. But did you guys notice it sounded like he hit the mic uh, a little bit? So I'm going to replay that clip for you and see if you can pick it out. Disappear. It's right as he's ending the word disappear.
1: Disappear.
0: Now, I'm not picking on anybody for it. I just find it interesting that they left that in, or maybe they weren't able to take that out at the time. You know, it's right in the words, so maybe they couldn't punch that out. Uh, I'm not sure, but it seems like they would have just said, hey, start over or something. Um, But maybe nobody noticed it. Maybe it it just kind of blended into everything at the time, or maybe I'm just hearing it on these headphones, um, you know, off of this version of it better than they did at the time. Who knows? But I found it interesting that they left it in. But either way, it, it's just such a beautiful song. The the strings and the brass bring out so much more. And uh, I really like that they're working with, uh, you know, some orchestral elements on this album because I think it really enhances the style of music that they're doing. And, you know, this is really uh, in an interesting time in music because you would have brass and string sections in pop music. So it, it's not too uncommon, but really you know, by this point, because there was a lot of that that was done in the late 60s. And here, you know, we are in 1970s. So yeah, this this would have been pretty normal for that time. But the sound of it, the gentleness that they put in the mix, you know, they're not putting the orchestra in the foreground until it's time to and there's a beautiful point in the song where the strings kind of take over. Um, but it's just blended so nicely. It's just it, it's just warm and perfect the uh the next song that we have coming up is a song called For You Blue you're sweet and lovely
1: girl, I love you Because you're sweet and lovely girl, it I love you
0: It's a sweet little song. Um, Not one of my favorites, to be honest. I've never really cared for this song. This is one I I would skip because it's over a couple minutes long. But uh, it's not a bad song by any means. It's just, you know, I'm never excited to hear it. It has uh, kind of a Hawaiian music feel to it which is okay. Um, I don't think that's a ukulele. It might be an ukulele. I'm sorry, but it might be, uh, or it could just be, you know, an acoustic guitar that they're playing very muted. But in any case, yeah, this song really never uh, touched me too much. It's, it's my least favorite on the album. Uh, But for those of you that enjoy it, you know, feel free to enjoy it. It it is a lovely song. It just isn't one that really uh, grips me too much. And, you know, we've already had a couple of uh, ballads and stuff on the album and, you know, as you're as you're ending an album, you, know, you kind of want to start building up a little bit. So for this to be the second to the last song just kind of feels like a weird place to put a song like this. It's just kind of a blasé, nonchalant song. Uh, but that brings us to the final track of the album, one that uh, people are very well aware of and, and very heavily associate with his album and with the Beatles as, a, as one of their top songs. Here we go with Get Back.
1: <laughs> Sweet Roretta fat. She thought she was a cleaner, Sweet but Zeta. she was a frying pan. Yeah, the, the, pizza, the picker, picture the fingers, oh. right? Okay. Good.
0: Yeah, again, I I don't understand the banter at the beginning of it. I mean, if this were, you know, like a a re-release of the album that had, you know, bonus stuff on it, I could see them throwing it in there. But for this to be on the regular song, especially one that was going to be released, seems a little bit weird to me. Although I would venture to guess that the 45 or the radio singles probably didn't have that on there. Uh, But it's a it's a great song. It's good and powerful. The vocals are really strong. The backing vocals are really strong. Um, I love that intro that just, uh, you know, it just gives you a running start for the song. You know, it's a great drum beat. Uh, The cymbal accents in this song are especially powerful. I really like how subtle the cymbals are. But when they when they do come in, they're very important and they're very relevant to the song instead of just, well, I play to fill, so I have to hit a cymbal, which is the way that drummers typically play. Uh, And I could say that because I'm a drummer and I do that all the time, but it's a, it's a great song. It's a great way to end the album. Um, It's something that's a very iconic. In fact, a lot of the Beatles documentaries that I've seen start with, uh, with this song because they give them a good running, you know, running lead to get the song going. So uh, another great song on this album. So I would say, you know, out of the 12 songs, there's nine I really love. And then there's a couple others that are like, eh, for me. But for the most part, it's an album well worth listening to. And uh, if you're a Beatles fan, you probably already know that. And if you're not a Beatles fan, you know, maybe if uh, if you like the clips that you heard, give the album a try, you know, check it out on whatever your streaming service is, and then go buy it on iTunes or Amazon or or Apple, you know, whatever you wherever you go to buy your music. Um, But but it's a good album. It's definitely a favorite of mine. So many great memories with it, um, especially riding around the neighborhood on my bike. And, um, yeah, this, this album had a big impact on me. So I was really excited to, to share with you. And, you know, I, this actually wasn't even on my list for some reason. Um, I have magical mystery tour on my list, so I'll probably do that at some point, but I had just uh, done my interview with Steve Weldman and, uh, he was talking about how he worked for the Beatles in the early days of his career. And I, that was a, a week ago. I talked to him a week ago today. And I just happened to be thinking about that. And I thought, you know, Let It Be would be a great album to do. And so uh, that's the one I picked for this week's episode. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you have a wonderful week. I'll be back next week with another show. Thank you guys for coming. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Cheers.